Hey guys, and welcome back to this series on the power of words. We're now in episode three, and we're going to be talking about the origin of our words. So where do our words come from? And is there something that we can do to dramatically change the way that we speak? And in England, where I come from, if somebody accidentally says something that they shouldn't have said, often you'll hear them say something like, oh, there goes me and my big mouth again. And they will put the blame on their mouth for the mistake that they've just made. But of course, the first thing we have to understand is that in those situations, the problem is not really the mouth. Of course, our words come out of our mouths, but that's not where our words come from. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if you want to know what is really in your heart, not what you think is in your heart, but what is really in your heart, listen very carefully to what comes out of your mouth. Now, why is this so important? Well, let me show you something. In 1 Samuel 16, God sends the prophet Samuel to a man called Jesse and tells Samuel that he needs to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the future king. And actually, at this point, Samuel doesn't know which one of Jesse's sons God has chosen to be king, but God says that he will indicate to Samuel which one he's chosen when he gets there. And when Samuel arrives and he sees Jesse's eldest son, Eliab, He's obviously pretty impressed with Eliab's appearance because the Bible says that Samuel thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But then look at the next verse. This is 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And of course, if you know the story, it was actually Jesse's youngest son, David, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. It was David that God chose to be the future king because God knew what was in David's heart. And then the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And we know that David went on to win tremendous battles through God's leading and God's empowerment. David had an intimate relationship with God. God spoke to him. He led him throughout his life and did amazing things through him. And my question for you at the beginning of episode three is, do you want to be like David? Because if you do, you need to understand something that the Pharisees didn't understand. And that actually, even Jesus's disciples didn't understand when he first started to teach them this. You see, the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they were complaining and they were saying to him, Jesus, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? Because it was one of the traditions that they followed. And Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, he said, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes 
out of their mouth. That is what defiles them. And it's often the case, isn't it, that we are far more concerned about what goes into our mouths than we are at what comes out of our mouths. But Jesus said it should be the other way around. And after he said this, his disciples still didn't understand what he was talking about. So in Matthew 15, 16 to 20, it says this. Jesus said, are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So Jesus is saying, you've missed the point completely. It's not what goes into a person that makes them unclean. It's what comes out because what comes out of a person's mouth comes from their heart. So one thing is abundantly clear. The only way to fix your words is to fix your heart. And the good news is that God has promised to do that. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And now that is a promise for all believers. And of course, that happens the moment we give our life to Jesus. But in my experience, that's still happening now. Every day of my life, God seems to be seeking to cause my heart to get softer and softer and softer. And of course, while God is seeking to soften our hearts every day, we are living in a fallen world with sinful people all around us. And and let's be honest, you can't interact with other human beings for very long without getting upset or offended by something that they say or do. We all know what it's like. We can be in a relationship with someone and they do something or say something that upsets us. We get offended. We make a judgment and we think to ourselves, I can't believe that that person did that. That is so wrong. Sometimes we can even get consumed by the situation and it's, it's all we think about and we just lose our peace. We kind of get trapped by the situation and we don't know how to get our life back, our joy back, our peace back. And of course, if that judgment towards that person stays in our heart, it's not long before it comes out of our mouth. And we say things like, can you believe what that person did? Or can you believe how they treated me? And sometimes we say worse than that, don't we? Then sometimes we can wonder, is my heart getting softer? Or is my heart actually getting harder? And this is where this episode gets really interesting. You see, about eight months ago, I believe God gave me an incredible key that has changed my heart and brought so much freedom into my life that I'm so excited to share it with you. You see, if we want to be used by God like David was, if we want to have that intimacy with God that David had, 
We need to pray the kind of prayers that David prayed. And in Psalm 51 verse 10, David prayed this. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God. So I'd like to just stop for a moment and I'd like us to pray that prayer together because what I'm about to share is incredibly challenging but incredibly life-giving. And I'd like us to ask God to purify our hearts. So Father, we just come before you right now and we say, God, would you create in us a pure heart? Lord, would you remove from our hearts anything that might be impure, anything that might hold us back from having a deep, intimate relationship with you and being used powerfully and effectively for your kingdom on this earth? Would you create a pure heart in me? Oh God, in Jesus name. Okay, so one day I was reading my Bible and this verse just jumped out at me. It was Romans 2 verse 1. And it says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Did you see that? You see, I'd read this verse so many times, but it was like I'd never really seen what it was saying before. It says that at whatever point you judge another person, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And I remember thinking to myself, really? Can this be true regardless of the person that I'm judging or the thing that they've done? Can it be true that I am actually just as bad as they are? You see, when somebody says or does something that hurts us, often we think, but they hurt me. I didn't choose this. I'm a victim in this situation. Or when we see another person do something that we think is totally wrong. We think that is so wrong. I would never do anything like that. And and the thing that they've done probably is wrong. But, you know, the idea that we might be just as bad as they are is very, very far from our thinking in those moments. But actually, this is what the Bible says. Now, I can't say that I fully understood this verse in the moment that I read it, but I decided that if this is the word of God, it must be true. And so what I did is I humbled myself and I came before the Lord and I said, God, I'm so sorry for all the times that I have judged people thinking that they are worse than I am. And I just want to acknowledge before you right now, God, that actually I'm no better than they are. And after I did that, something amazing happened. From that moment on, every time I made any kind of judgment against anybody, the Holy Spirit instantly reminded me of a time when I had done the same thing. Now, sometimes the thing that I had done was not exactly done in the way that that person had done it. But I was reminded in my heart that the thing I had done was basically the same in God's eyes. 
And it didn't come with any condemnation. It wasn't like God was holding me to account for those things. Actually, he was reminding me that, David, I've forgiven you for those things. But he was convicting me that actually I was in no position to judge that other person. And so here's the key. What happened was I found myself going from judgment to confession. From judgment to confession. And rather than God, they are wrong, my heart changed to God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for judging that person because actually I recognize that I'm no better than they are. And then I noticed something amazing. I noticed that once I realized that I was no better than they are and that God had forgiven me, my heart was so ready to forgive them. You see, while my heart was full of judgment, I could not let that thing go. Couldn't stop thinking about it. And of course, I couldn't stop talking about it. But now that my heart was soft, it was so easy to forgive and let go. And as I forgave, the poison in my heart disappeared and I was free. In fact, what I realized was that the Holy Spirit had used this other person's behavior to make me more humble, more compassionate, and actually more loving. And now, rather than being trapped by judgment and speaking negatively about this person, I felt absolutely no need to speak negatively about them anymore. In fact, I wanted to pray for them and I was ready to love them, even though they hadn't changed yet. And then I was reminded that it was God's kindness that led me to repentance. And I just wonder if perhaps it's when that we have that same kindness in our hearts that God will be able to use us to lead others into repentance. You see, I believe that he's asking you and he's asking me in those moments to move from judgment to confession. Once I started to get this, God took the revelation a step further. And I want to show you that. So in the book of Romans, it's basically saying that whenever we judge, we are just as bad as the person that we are judging. But let's now look at what Jesus said. Matthew 7 verses 1 to 5, Jesus said, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then look at this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus is saying that while we are judging others, we are blinded to the fact that we are actually worse than they are. Now, okay, that person did something to me or I saw them do something that was wrong. 
But here am I with my judgments, with my unforgiveness, with my bitterness, with my anger, telling my friends what that person did to me. That's gossip. Saying things that would negatively affect that other person's reputation. That's slander. Do you know that the Bible says that slanderers will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is really, really serious. But then you might be thinking to yourself, but David, come on. What if you were to judge a murderer, somebody who's murdered somebody? How can you be worse than a murderer? You haven't murdered anyone. And in case you're wondering, I haven't murdered anyone. But let's just look at what Jesus says about this. Matthew 5, 21 to 22, Jesus says, you've heard it that was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. And anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fall will be in danger of the fire of hell. And so when I read these verses, and I think from God's perspective, I have to ask myself, am I really better than a murderer? You see, there might be someone who's physically murdered somebody once in their life. But how many times have I had the wrong heart towards brothers and sisters? And then, of course, I might hear of a Christian leader who's committed adultery. And I might think to myself, that is so bad. I would never be unfaithful to my wife. Or would I? Jesus goes on to say, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, what I've come to realise is that, that how bad I am in my eyes really doesn't depend on what I've done. Actually, it depends on how sensitive I am to God's truth and to God's heart. If you think about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was probably the best Christian who ever lived. And towards the end of his life, when he'd grown in wisdom, in understanding, in maturity, and he'd probably lived a more fruitful life than anybody else on planet Earth, he said this, in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Do you see that? One of the wisest, most mature, most fruitful Christians of all time says, I am the worst of sinners. That was his heart attitude. And when you start to understand this, you start to realise that actually it's not another person's behaviour that keeps you in bondage. It's your reaction to it. You see, you can't change another person. But when you acknowledge that there's sin in your heart, 
Well, praise God, God has already made provision for that when he sent his son to die on the cross in our place. And of course, rather than trying to hurt another person or to damage their reputation with our words or to to feel justified by speaking negatively about them, when you simply acknowledge that their behaviour has made you angry or that you are hurting because of their behaviour, Jesus has also made provision for that. You see, he is the healer of the brokenhearted. And all he's asking us to do is confess and forgive. You see, even if the person whose sin you have witnessed never changes, your heart can be pure. You can be free and you don't need to speak negatively about them. And actually, if you do find yourself speaking or thinking negatively about another person, that is just a sign that there is still judgment in your heart. And I just want to say this. Don't focus on what that person has done. Focus on three things. Confess, repent and forgive. I just want to remind you of a scripture that you probably know really well. It's Proverbs 4.23 and it says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You know, I believe that the most dangerous thing that you can ever let into your heart is a lie. And I want to say this. Don't allow the lie that says I'm right they're wrong into your heart. Remember, at whatever point you judge, you're condemning yourself because you yourself do the same things. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you right now that you have made provision for our sin. You have made provision even for our healing. And Father, we want to come before you and we want to say sorry for all the times that we've harboured judgment and bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts, Lord. We want to say sorry for when our hearts have not been pure. But we want to thank you, Father God, that you are in the business of softening our hearts and cleansing them from all unrighteous. And I just ask that you would come and do that now. Would you create in us pure hearts, O God? Would you cause our hearts to be full of love, patience and kindness towards even those who we see are still in sin? Would you give us your heart that we might be men and women who are after your own heart? Lord, and as our hearts are changed by you from judgment to confession and to freedom and purity, I ask, Lord God, that our words will dramatically change as a result. In Jesus' name, and I'll see you in episode four.